Hi, all, and welcome back to Dame It All to Hell. I'm Kelly Gibson, and we are here the week after Easter, and it was a great Easter. I love Easter because it's sort of a time of new beginnings, but this time I got to spend it with Tracy Dietz and her whole family. It was awesome. Hi, and I'm Tracy Dietz, and I got to spend Easter with my wonderful family and Kelly, which was amazing. I got to meet her parents. And they are just as wonderful as she is. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. (laughs) It was great to finally meet her mom, uh, who was amazing, and her father, who is clearly a little Republican. My father is the reason I like to debate with you. I've been debating with a conservative the entirety of my life. Like, I love how he would just, like, walk into a conversation, drop a bomb, and then walk back (laughs) out and, and, like, watch golf. And in his wake, it's my mother saying, you can't just say that and leave. (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty amazing. He was awesome. It was super fun. We had a great great. time. And Caleb made an amazing meal. My husband is a good cook. Yes. good. Also, today is a day to remember. It is the sixth month anniversary Today, we're recording this on a Thursday. It'll come out tomorrow, but it's the sixth month anniversary of the day Harvey Weinstein's shittiness was revealed. And it, that was the beginning of hashtag Me Too, which was the beginning of hashtag Never Again. And, you know, and why does that matter? It's because there's all this evidence that this movement is going to stay and there's power behind it. The world has changed. Yeah, lawmakers across the nation are, you know, passing legislation for anti-harassment. Corporate America is sort of changing some of their practices, which is amazing. More women feel the space to speak out. And the movement has the potential to affect the midterm elections. So, you know, six months is all it's taken to really fuck with it in a good really way. really changed. It's, yeah. it's awesome. And I think that uh, Republican women are stepping up too, which we've talked a little bit about yeah. on the side. Um, so uh, you're going to see a little bit more from us too yeah. in 2018, 2020. So we are going to start the conversation out today with, with an article that Tracy found, which is amazing because it's on NPR and <laughs> she doesn't listen to a whole lot of NPR. That's Mosig not is super true. liberal. I no, totally listen to all um, of it. I mean, it was on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but about women uh, having the advantage in 2018. So Tracy, you want to set us up a little bit here? Uh, sure. So uh, so this article came out and was basically talking about whether or not women have an advantage in the upcoming elections in 2018. And so everything that is in the article basically says yes, that um, doing some of this stuff 10 years ago, uh, running for office, they would not have had the same impact that they are going to have today or in 2018. So it's interesting. And, and it's the article talked a little bit more about Democrats than it did Republicans. So I think Republicans might have a little harder time than Democrats. But, I mean, the wave is still there for for women to sort of take over. And it was interesting to talk about the different issues, how Democrats resonate with health care and education and Republicans are stronger on economy and national Pocket security, even for Pocket women. Like, so yeah. that was good. Like, the fact that women are strong on national security mm-hmm. and economy is a good thing. So, um, that, so we'll see where that goes. Yeah, I read the article when you when you sent it to me, and it references this crazy race in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, God, I'm not going to remember the district number just because there's so many. But it was – so Texas has runoff primaries. So if nobody gets 50, 50 plus one of the vote, then it goes into a runoff of the top two um, candidates, even though it's partisan. And in this one particular district that has always been a Republican district, it was a former veteran – who raised tons of money, raised and spent three quarters of a million dollars on communications and a Baptist 
preacher, whatever, priest, minister, whatever, when you're a Baptist, whatever that's called, who's a woman who only raised and spent 40000 and she got more votes than the veteran man. And, you know, she was interviewed in the article saying that it's just a different time, especially in a purple place like Texas, where voters who have been disengaged voters are finding personal connection with unlikely candidates. And you know, the interviewer in the in the article or in the new it was a radio newscast or whatever said, do you think people are voting for you just because you're a woman? You know, and she said, well, I hope they don't in the end vote for me just because I'm a woman. I hope they vote for me because I'm a strong female leader. I think it's all good progress. I think it's all good news. But is you know, the swing, is it getting too far in one direction? And it feels funny for me to ask that question because I'm always pro like a big swing. I mean, do we swing. really care? Right. That's I the mean, question. So, what, so is, if a less qualified candidate is a woman, but she goes anyway because she's a woman. But why, you wouldn't care about that in a diversity situation. So why would you care about it in politics? Well, right? if somebody's like, more qualified to have make to navigate the ins and outs of a Washington, D.C. situation. Right. But would you be OK with a more qualified man beating out a less qualified woman just for a job in general in D.C.? A less qualified man than a more qualified woman? Are you trying to no, turn the... No, a more qualified man. A man is more qualified than the woman. Yeah. I don't know if I just Would you want... That. Right. I think we're saying the same thing from right. different sides. Yeah. I think that I'm pro more women. I think the more women that end up women winning and the more women that are here will change how hard it is or what kind of woman you Even have to be. Even if they're less qualified. Right. And if so you're running for Congress... politics is weird. So, yeah. right, right. The qualifications of running for Congress are, are very different, different than yeah. qualifications of designing an anal- company. Right. Yeah. Or designing an analytic system. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't really know what the qualifications <laughs> are for, for running for Congress. Or, yeah. Or president, for that matter. Well, there's none, know. turns right, out, for president. Right. Yeah. So, Caleb, my husband and I, this, this week... Um, we're asked to come into a class at GW together. It was a political communications class, and we were tasked with talking about what kind of jobs. These kids were all political communications majors, and we are political communications professionals. Was this so, a graduate school of political management? No, it was undergrad seniors, yeah. um, but they do have in their poli-sci department, I guess. Yeah. Um, but anyway, one of the women in the room asked me, what what's the difference when you run a female candidate versus a male candidate in their communications, which... We don't have enough time on this podcast and the entirety of this podcast to talk about that in detail. But my thought is the more women that end up on Capitol Hill, however they get there, that answer will get easier and easier. And one day will be there is no difference. We're running humans for this job right now. There is a huge difference. So that's why I'm excited about, you know, more women having the political advantage just based on gender. Did you find it interesting about the the, the comment about how men were more likely to support women because of the whole health care uh, education thing, because typically women in the household are the ones that do that control stuff. the health. <laughs> po- uh, it was it, but I, I read that and I thought, wow, Kelly's going to lose her shit over that <laughs> because women are the ones that make the doctor's appointments and make yeah. sure that their husbands go to the doctor. I like any time a man in a family was like, oh, shit, my wife knows more about this than me. So I'm just going to trust her judgment on who I should vote for, which but I think, I think never happens. No, I don't think <laughs> I don't think that's common. I don't know. I don't you know. don't think your husband votes based off of your thoughts? My own personal husband? No, I think he votes on his per- – I think we talk – I mean, we're political people, so we talk about it all the time. So there's – it gets it gets complicated. But I don't think he's ever like, well, I don't have time to look up this race. Kelly, who should I vote for? I mean, that is not a thing oh, that ever So happens. I think that most certainly is a thing that 
<gasps> I remember one particular race where I'm like, wait, you voted for that guy? I'm like, you can't vote for that guy. And he was like, you didn't tell me. I didn't know. I mean, my husband most certainly votes for um, the person he thinks is most qualified. But I most yeah. certainly scream and yell yeah. at certain times when I think that there is someone he should or should not vote for, most certainly on state and local stuff. Yeah. So female so. candidates, there. you know, it's been a, it's been a busy week in the news about female candidates. And... Um, so we, Tracy just talked about healthcare and education being something that female candidates strive at. But there was this article in there was a couple articles. One started in Politico, um, which is sort of which is a political rag talking about women's political campaign advertising, which is what I do for a living. So it's particularly interesting. And I did not make any of these ads that were featured in the article, but they were speaking of two particular ads. One is for a woman who's running for governor of Wisconsin. And one of them was for a woman who's running for governor of Maryland. And their ads both included a shot of them breastfeeding their small children. And, you know, it's a busy political cycle. And a lot of people are trying to come up with, quote unquote, out of the box concepts to get noticed. And, you know, political ads have a a reputation of being boring and formulaic and all these things. So I think there was a little bit of this. But in the case of this, the Wisconsin gubernatorial candidate, whose name is Kelda Roy's, she was doing an interview to camera and her family was all on the set because there was going to be footage with the family and the husband you sort of hear a baby crying and then the husband sort of walks into the frame sort of looks at her and was like oh sort of passed the baby over because he was the baby was hungry and so she just kept talking to the camera like she normal would and she lifted up her blouse in a way you couldn't see anything started breastfeeding her baby so that was was sort of unintentional but when they looked through the footage they were like oh my god I mean that is what women do like if you are in the breastfeeding stage of your kid's life you don't. You can't necessarily just stop what you're doing. And the other one was um, the the Krish who's running in Maryland was very staged, very planned. And my side of the universe, it was amazing, amazing feedback about how refreshing it is that women can be nurturing and professional simultaneously. So, yay. <laughs> but I'm sorry. Like, there's never going to be a man being interviewed where he has to show up and feed his fucking kids. Right, because men like, don't breastfeed. It doesn't even matter. Like, there's not going to be a picture of a man feeding a child Maybe outside of that. Maybe there should be. Like, why? Because people sorry, have like feeding your child legs. isn't part of, like, your work. I mean, that isn't part of work. I don't know. I it, Good for her. But caring yeah, for your I, children. That's fine. Care for your kids. But, like, you have to work and then care for your kids. Like, that's a balance that we all fucking do. Absolutely. I, I pumped just trying in the to car. Show the balance. Yeah. I, I pumped in the car. Yeah. I did everything I could to make it work. I, I, right. I would most certainly have never took my kid to a meeting and breastfed my kid in a meeting. That's funny. We were just talking about Although breastfeeding. Although I did in, the... and in my office. I know. I bre- uh, Well, I, I breastfed everywhere. So I think the thing about breastfeeding, and for the women, probably mostly women that listen to this podcast, no, that have that have tried it or done it. It's fucking hard. It's hard physically. It's hard for with your time. It's hard to like make that all work. And the world is like sort of weird. At least they used to be weird about it, right? Because everybody, the nurses at the hospital were psychotic because they basically were like formulas radioactive, <sighs> which is total bullshit. Yeah. Well, I feel like this is not a conversation you and I should get into. Because <laughs> you think, think formulas. I don't radioactive. think it's radioactive. <laughs> I just think there's immense health advantages to breast Sure, breast absolutely. Milk. And I Over nurse formula. both of my yeah. kids. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I remember when I first had Gareth, we went down to the hill for a, the great nurse inn because there were no nursing rooms on Capitol Hill at the time. Shit has changed. Now they have those crazy nursing pods in the airports. 
you yeah. know, which is, a, I think it's awesome. I used to nurse, I used to pump in the airports. I'd find like the phone booths that are no longer phones because the technology has changed, but they were like charging stations. And I would like, you know, tuck my tits in behind the separator and plug it all up to the, you know, to the milk machine. And I was just like, oh, God. Oh, I just do it in the bathroom. <laughs> There's no Although plugs. I wasn't traveling very much yeah. when during, I, I just refused to travel. But anyway, so. It's too hard. Tracy and I both know a, a Republican female media consultant, Ashley O'Connor, who I like very, very much. She's fantastic. I've been on a lot of panels with her, and she was quoted in the political article saying, my guess is you won't see that kind of ad when you're running a competitive race against somebody of the other party. You're going to need real messages when you want people to vote for you, and I think a gratuitous breastfeeding shot is not going to do it. Right. So, At the end of the day, like you have to have a solid message. Sure. But can you have yeah. a solid message and also show the real life of a working mother? Like Kathy McMorris-Rogers, who is a Republican congressperson from Washington State, was like the first ever congresswoman to have a baby while she was a congressperson. Like It was like crazy that that, and that's not that long ago. And so she was pregnant and having the kids and like in the space and was like, this is what I'm doing. Like, I am both birthing babies and drafting legislation. Right. So it's about like pulling down the the totally. barriers because of showing life as it everybody is. Everybody went batshit crazy. And I hate to bring up this woman. When Sarah Palin oh. had a baby and like went back to work the next day, like everybody lost their I shit. I feel like I've lost my shit a lot about Sarah Palin, but that is not one thing I would lose right. my shit but about. But there were people losing their shit over that. Which kinds and I think of people? I don't know. I mean, lots of lots of the Twitterverse, which you say is people. <laughs> is people. I so do. I do. I stick, I stick by it. lost their shit on Sarah Palin because she had a baby and went back to work the next day. See, having she can babies are hard. And then breastfeed. Yeah, I mean, I I did that. I did that. I I most certainly would never have taken my baby to a professional meeting to nurse them. Like, I would have just, I would have organized things so that that sort of was not something that I had to do. Um, I think it's great that this woman was able to do it in the interview. I mean, do I think it's going to have an impact on voters? voters? I think messaging is far more important than the fact that she's capable of breastfeeding during an interview. I mean, yeah. honestly, the all reason... fucking women can breastfeed during an interview. I mean, we all learned how to fucking but who's got knock the, it out. who's got the ovaries to do it? But I think that the reason this follows up well on the, uh, like, is being women an advantage, the thing we just talked about in 2018, is these ads, like Ashley said, these ads are running in the primary. So it's Democrat on Democrat. And for w- female voters who maybe have felt sort of disenfranchised by the party will showing a woman doing sort of the most natural thing that biologically we were made to do while talking about big policy changes. Will that be a draw? And is it something new enough that women have always been uh, expected to be one or the other? Right. And now they're like, fuck you very much. I'm both. And don't ask me to be one or the other. I'm both. Yeah. So it's hard to be both. I know, but we're I'm but trying. You're them. trying. I know. We're it's, all trying. It's really hard. So do you remember the article a couple of years ago about the woman that was like, you just can't have it all that Which worked is, for Clinton? Uh, it's true. It's, it's you can have a version of it all. <sighs> something's got to crack. Well, I mean, something's got to to the point to where like I have to decide next week: Do I choose my children over work? I, I mean, I, I I either go to a dance competition yeah, or I stay. Yeah. At a conference where there's potential business to be done, like yeah. you have to choose something, something always mm-hmm. gets chopped into. It doesn't yeah. mean you can't do it both. It, you can't do both, but it's hard to give a hundred percent all the time. Yeah, I think both. the thing about it is, for me, it's always, and I've really come to this over time, is it is 
quality, like the whole quality, not quantity thing. I just believe in that on both sides, not just with my kids. Like the quality of how I do my work when I'm sort of paying attention to my job and the quality of what I'm doing with my family when I'm doing that. But anyway, it's like it's obviously a, a overarching narrative that sort of covers everything we talk about in here, but we'll probably keep talking about it forever. So this next article, I think Tracy included because maybe sometimes she thinks I'm psychotic, but I don't think you're psychotic. It's psychotic. And the the article was originally about how conservatives are more psychotic than liberals. But then they reversed. They they found that that was not correct. And it's actually liberals that are more psychotic. The interpretation of the coding of the political attitude items in the descriptive and preliminary analysis portion what of the, the fuck main, are you I don't saying? Know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm reading the wrong person. <laughs> Those words didn't make any sense next Why to each other. Why are we other. even talking about this? I didn't even realize we were going to talk about this today. I don't know. We should totally just keep this in the podcast because it's pretty funny. I think that it's tempting to say that any aggressive political perspective is psychotic. Right. So in this particular paper, like they referred to psychoticism as being associated with traits such as tough-mindedness. Check. Risk-taking. Check. Sensation-seeking. Ooh, check. Impulsivity. Check. I and go all, on Fox News. That all, all, that all of the, that all's me. And authoritarianism. Eh, I don't... This uh, so I'm like, why are those things bad? Like, why does that make you psychotic? Although I have to say, the whole liberal versus progressive thing, I much prefer to be a progressive than a liberal. Really, what's the difference? Well, I don't know that there's like a really defined difference between the two, but liberal has always meant liberal is sort of more Bernie Bros. Like liberal is single payer, free college. And you're not um, down with that. Which, I, I mean, I am. But, like, if I had to describe myself to somebody, you're down I'm, with free college. I am a rowdy liberal. I mean, a, well, fuck, maybe subconsciously I am a liberal. I'm rowdy progressive. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to talk about free college, but yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, anyway, psychoticism. I'm actually just really confused as to why you think college f- should be free. Well, I just don't think it should cost seventy. Well, your husband thinks it's all going to turn around too. I had a big long co- he does. Co- he does. I don't. I'm not. Husband I, about I'm, it. No. I, I college is hugely overpriced. Yeah. I just I'm curious as to why you think that it should just be free for everybody and who's going to pay for it if it's free. Well, it would change the kinds of college processes and systems we have in this country. Not everyone would need to go to a four-year liberal arts college. You I don't know, know that about... everybody needs to go to a four-year liberal arts college Correct. now. Yeah. So it's about creating a system where people have access to advanced education that is pre- preparatory for the jobs that we have and that there's but not can... some liberal, there's not some standard about what People should be attending right. in order. So, so people you, go two hundred thousand dollars in debt. Right. So you don't have to have a bachelor of arts or a bachelor of science to get a good good. Right. Job. And if you become in a if you go to community college and you do a two year program where you're an apprentice for some sort of industry, what should that cost you? I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of education and information that could be sought and and acted upon. But our co- our university system in this country is fierce, it's, and they got awful. so much money. So. Yes. Anyway, on to our segment that we like so much. So you don't like being called psychotic, so we're getting quite, <laughs> yeah. quite through that. Yeah, I'm like, let's move past the psych- right. psycho, psych- what? psychoticism. I don't think that's a I word. Yeah. I, it, 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 honestly, it was kind of dumb. <laughs> I just thought it was funny that all of a sudden, like, you were psychotic <laughs> and I'm not. I was, I was proud of that. <laughs> so crazy shit people say this week is... Not that crazy. Not that, well, it's amazing. Awesome. Yes. It's the best crazy shit people say. Yay, Republicans! <laughs> it's like... So I have a lot of opinions about this candidate as a partisanship, in partisanship standards. But just 
in what she is willing to say. So we were, we were talking about campaign ads earlier. This was a campaign ad from Martha McSally, who's a congresswoman from Arizona who's running for the Senate. And the Arizona Senate race, everybody listening should really follow it. It's the, the Democratic frontrunner is Kirsten Sinema, who is an openly bisexual young woman who's so smart and just so driven. And on the right side, there's sort of uh, varying degrees of um, hard-hitting conservatives, Trump lovers. It's a very interesting... And Arizona itself is a very interesting place for politics. But Martha McSally said at the end of one of her ads, and I'm quoting, I'm a fighter pilot and I talk like one. That's why I told Washington Republicans to grow a pair of ovaries and get things done. And like, it's amazing. I mean, because we've talked about grow a pair of balls, that people like say that in Which the world. Which is funny because balls are very delicate. Delicate. And ovaries... Pussies are not delicate. Well, ovaries are even less delicate. Right. That's like the shit that makes humanity go, right. you know? That we grows the future. Babies. Yeah. And, you know, she's standing in front of a fighter jet and when she delivers the line, and you're just like, holy shit. Like, what are Republican primary voters? Are they even going to understand the joke? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes. They're like, eh, what? Huh? Yeah. It might have been. I wonder if it was a digital-only ad. Can you imagine, like, turning on the nightly news, like an old 65-year-old Republican voter who votes every year, and, like, that's what you hear? What do you think goes through their mind? Think about the woman from Iowa, Ernie. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, Joni Ernst. Joni Ernst. I wonder if this is the same. The woman that made Joni Ernst's ads, I can't remember her name right now, but she's a woman and smart, and I wonder if she does these same ads. Oh, wait, a woman? I thought... I was on a panel with her once. Oh, okay. Yeah, I maybe we can get her on the podcast. To... I mean, That'd she's awesome. smart. Yeah. Ovaries. Yeah, That's so awesome. I think that I wonder if wouldn't it be awesome if castration ad maker was also grow a pair of ovaries ad maker? Yes, that'd be I awesome. We should definitely have her on. We can the podcast. look into it. Yeah. That would be awesome. But I feel like of all the crazy shit people said, this week I thought Donald Trump has had a real week on Twitter. Although Who? Our president have you been following his Twitter feed this week? I try not to. Holy I, moly. I can't. I don't. That guy just Wait, so somebody, did somebody get fired again? Help himself. No. No. He just has a lot oh. of problems with the media. Oh, so the border. We're going to send problems. troops to the border. Yeah, doing that the, today. The Mexicans yep. are, what, like, taking over our country. It's not even, it's like this migrant of, migration of children. It's, like, not a good, it's a Wait, he's thing. showing up. I, I, yeah. I should be paying attention. I can't. I've had the word. I have the really weed t- from hell, and I don't even yeah, know what's happening which is in fine. the world. So I was Easter, on. Easter. I was all about God. I was on his Jesus. Twitter. Yay, Jesus. I was Sorry. on the president's Twitter account being like, I'm sure there's something here. But then Martha, McS- Martha McSally, I was like, sweet, this is not going to be a depressing thing. This is going to be an awesome thing. And I wonder if Martha McSally's campaign manager is a woman because there was this amazing article this week in the New York Times about how there are more young women managing campaigns this year than in the entirety of anything documented in our in our country's history, which is fucking awesome. Um, do you think it had anything to do with the fact that Kellyanne Conway crushed it and won the presidential? Well, it, there was no mention in the article about that, but I would not be surprised. And there was no mention in the article about how it breaks down on partisanship. So I feel like, you know, I the two fierce female campaign managers that I can remember from your side is Kellyanne and then the woman that managed the Minnesota Senate race last time around who got an award at the Polys last oh, year. Oh, Betsy Ain- yeah. uh, Ankney. And now she's, she's at the NRCC. At the yeah. yeah, but she's running another race. Yeah. She's so, awesome. So good. Yep. And then this this article was about 
how many young women are stepping up and they're these they are really big jobs you have to you have to manage a budget and all these different consultants and it gives you a lot of experience and it was you know it said in this article Hillary Clinton's stunning loss in 2016 presidential election prompted a surge of democratic women running for office this year and right behind them a new legion of young women like the woman mentioned in the article with a set with a seat at the head of the table they will res- be responsible for strategy message staff and creating networks they will have the potential to reshape a profession long dominated by men i mean that just makes me feel so happy it's awesome it's so good how much but how much seriously do you have to do you think that it has to do with the fact that kelly and conway has literally been the face of the republic uh, of donald trump for the last 2 years well not Hope Hicks, who wasn't a face, like she was quietly Kellyanne Conway everybody... has not been the on-camera face of Donald Trump since he was a candidate. Like in the beginning, she was when she lied a bunch on camera, and then everyone was like, "What the fuck's happening?" Why get, she, what do you mean she lied about? Oh. I'm just saying she has not been the face. You said the she face. Didn't Sarah lie. Huckabee Sanders spun. has been the face. And then Sarah. Oh, so then you got spun. Sarah you Sanders. Spun. <laughs> yeah. Then that Sarah is Sanders bullshit. has been the face. Yes. So you've got all these women, women who are the face of... The thing is, women have often held comms positions, communications positions, but not often held management. So if you're relating it to the president in his presidency, it would be chief, right, which have been men, which is whatever, fine. I don't know that there's... I wish my husband was here. I don't know there's ever been a female chief of staff to the president. I can't really I think, think of one. Been. But in the case of... So this is the important part for me of young women managing all these races, Young women that manage races, then they get big committee jobs, and then they get good consulting jobs. Or if they go the official side, then they get chief of staff jobs. They get Senate, then they go back to a president. You know, it's just it's the bench. Right. Women, we have women have sucked at building a bench of women, both candidates and political professionals. And so this is why this is super exciting to me. Do you think that that was because of we just got shut out because we were women, or you think that was just the nature of the business? Like we just, I think. I think if you don't see role models that look like you, you often don't take the leap to get into a business. Being the first of anything is fucking hard. We've talked about that a lot. Yeah. So I think I think we've we've also talked about this. I think for whatever you think about Hillary Clinton's loss, the the most surface way to define that is this country was not ready for a female president. So you can disagree with that premise, but that is sort of how it appeared. And I think a whole bunch of young women that love politics were like, Fuck that. And I'm going to get in however I can. Also, a lot of these, the woman that's highlighted in this article is running one of the uh, Virginia congressional races. She's 24, you know, and she's going to come out of 24 with like an insane resume. So I think it's really exciting for our industry. And I hope we've said this before. I hope 10 years from now, the conversation can be different, that there that that there's as many women and we don't have to like sort of navigate the how do I do women oh, be a woman and be a professional. So thing. not on the exact like campaign management conversation, but you and I have talked a lot about helping other women and, and sort of the change of. Sorry, that's just my bubbly. bubbly. Wow, that is <laughs> really impressive. Good that's some good bubbles <laughs> there. Um, I was talking to a couple of women the other day and one of the um, one of the women that I was talking to. I had actually helped along in her career. She had mm. worked for me, and then I'd helped her get another job. And, and one of the jobs when she had left the previous job was she had told me how much money she was making. And I said to her, no, like, that's not enough money. Mm-hmm. I know who you are, and I know what you're capable of. You're not. You, you need to make more money. Yeah. So when you go to meet this other person that is your potential, you need to ask for X. And so she did, and she got it. Yeah. But she never in a million years would have thought to just ask for X. And so we were having a conversation about 
basically pay and what women should ask for. Yeah. In it's compensation. She talked about it last week when she was our guest about how yeah. when the system needs to change, but also women need to step the fuck right. up. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so I, my goal is to be better at helping other women. To, no, to that, f- that, no, that you should always just demand more. Yeah. Speaking and of women that anyway. demand more. Stormy Daniels. I love. I so love, we love her. Stormy. I can't. I just. I want her to come on the show. There's no way she's going to come on the show. I know. I well, her. so one place we can ask her is when we go to the strip to club. her reopening of the Gentlemen's Club, opens. which is right close to the to the White House. Stormy's going to have club. a little room. Oh. I mean, I think we're going to go. 476 K Street, baby. I know. Everyone should go. Go di- go Stormy. I feel it. Yeah. I feel like we're going to go watch Stormy's show. But I, I, haven't, I, I haven't really seen, and I'll look, I haven't really seen a follow-up to her 60 Minutes interview. So there was all this thing that said she received a cease and desist afterwards. She owed $20 million in fine because basically every time she spoke out against Trump in against the contract, she would owe a million dollars, and apparently she's done it twenty times. But, but that's fine, but because but yeah, she's Trump like, has to actually never paying right that because money. Trump has to actually prove that there was a contract, <laughs> right? And they're never going to show that there was an actual. contract. And in the meantime, Stormy Daniels is just like going to go around the country oh, doing appearances. I think she wants. I think she would like to be our friend, you and me. I feel like she should. Yeah, it's awesome. So if any listeners want to, you know, go to the cloakroom over we're the summer, in. yeah, uh, we're in. we don't. So we don't have a date. It just said over the summer. Over the summer. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I feel like the uh, the ladies from David All the Hell are going to be the cloak. I know. We'll have to wear our T-shirts. She'd definitely be Team Kelly. Uh, I mean, how much? <laughs> nah. I mean, she had sex with President Trump. <laughs> like, okay, I'll give her to your team. She's all yours. <laughs> what? She's all yours. what was she thinking? <laughs> she also, willingly did that. The article that, that announced that she was doing this was like, Stormy Daniels, who's been on the record saying that she... Spanked the president with so the a greatest thing. Newspaper. So, so like, one oh of the, the greatest things that she said in the interview, which uh, is is was, it's not great. It's actually a little <laughs> sad. But she was like, so I got in this situation and realized, well, oh, I'm in this situation, yeah. so I just got to do what I got to do. I but it, I'm not. But then she followed up with, but I'm not a victim. She was not I a got victim. A lot to say about that because uh, it was her choice. She, it. It was her choice to end up in that bedroom. What was not her choice was existing in a world where if you ended up in the bedroom with someone who expected sex, there was no option not to have sex. You know what I mean? Like, there should always be an option not to have sex. So I think there was an option. I think she just decided, like, he's rich and I don't have to do that. Well, then how how does that jive with her statement about, oh, shit, I got here, I got to do it? I mean, I, to me, that says she had some trepidation about... The consequence of not following through with his sexual activity. Yeah, and so I mean, that is what a sucks for me. Oh, I mean, would you fuck Donald Trump for one hundred thirty grand? No. Yeah, it that's would what take I a thought. lot more. Than I know. That. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That is what I'm saying. And even then, I'm not oh, no. sure. Like, yeah, oh. gross. I did listen when I listened to last week's podcast, and I was like, date. you know, he didn't used to be unattractive. I was like, oh my god, I said that out loud. I guess I kind of stand by it, but whoa. Um, Maybe I don't know. I mean, his son's free. <laughs> I know I because mean, his wife was like, "Fuck no, I'm out." Because God. the son is going to prison. They're all going to prison. Is what I think. I don't think anybody's going to prison. Yes. So the other. So that 
you know, comes to an end of this of this podcast and with, you know, strip clubs and fucking Trump, just another day in Damon all the hell land. But we would like to wish a very special happy birthday to our friend Sarah McCreary. Yay, happy birthday. <laughs> Sarah McCreary is one of my closest friends and she works with me and literally makes she life better like for everybody. She's super young. She's yeah, she's she's your age. I'm not going to say how oh. old she is on the podcast, wow. but yes, yes. And so we wish her a very, very well, happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah. Happy young birthday, <laughs> Sarah McCurry. Um, uh, we'll be recording again next week. Tracy and I will also be doing an unrecorded episode of Damn It All Hell at an industry association. So we'll put up um, maybe some clips of that next week. But thanks for listening, as always. Uh, always lots real. of fun. Thanks so much. <laughs> uh, listen and subscribe to Damn It All to Hell on Apple Podcast Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks, guys. See you next week.